0: I-Y-O dot com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Waybreak Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, founder and CEO of Waybreak. We are a boutique agency specializing in email, SMS, and CRM for e-commerce, retail, and direct-to-consumer brands. As we head into times where we have increased and rising customer acquisition costs, one way that you can continue to drive growth is by adding and ensuring you have best-in-class email and SMS marketing in your marketing mix. Uh, if you know it's time for a refresh and you have a band of carts that's been running for a really long time, your campaigns, you know you can be doing better and driving more revenue from email and integrating SMS into that strategy better as well, you can learn more about partnering with us and how we can advise you on what to do and help implement as an agency at wavebreak.co call. Super excited for today's episode. I'm joined by Scott Kucharek CEO of Ocho Candy, super inspiring story where Scott has everything from, I mean, starting in the chocolate business with no experience to landing the first store, landing that first Whole Foods account, all the way to almost going out of business during the pandemic. Um, Everything in between, a really exciting and inspiring story, a lot to learn from this. With that being said, let's jump right into it. Scott, thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, thanks for
1: having me. Looking forward to talking with you.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, today, we're chatting about one of my favorite things, candy. Um, why don't you tell us about Ocho Ocho Candy?
1: Yeah, sure. So Ocho Candy is I call a modern candy company. It's focused on delivering the best tasting candy. That's organic, fair trade, sustainably farmed, and good for the environment. Um, but ultimately, it has to taste better than regular candy. So that's kind of the driving goals of Ocho Candy.
0: Amazing. And then like, how did you get into this?
1: Candy well, my parts,
0: yeah, good question.
1: I wonder that many times myself. Uh, <laughs> my, my partner, Dennis Ring, he created the 365 line at Whole Foods. So he's oh, cool. one of the early pioneers in understanding the natural and organic marketplace. And while he was doing that for Whole Foods, you know, he turned it from nothing to a billion dollar brand. He noticed that people were migrating to organics, but it had to be a product that looked like something they knew but tasted at least as good and had a clean label. So while he's watching things move like milk and eggs and meat, he was wondering sooner or later when candy was going to make the shift or a bunch of time it wasn't. So he decided to move forward with a project to make like an organic Snickers is lack like, that was his mm-hmm. dream. And we just happened to have kids going to the same elementary school together. So one day on the, um, playground before announcements, he came up to me and said, Hey, I have a, I have an organic candy bar. Would you like to try it? I was thinking, oh my God, that sounds horrible. This is back (laughs) around 2005. Back when organic
0: things didn't taste good yet. Yeah,
1: they're using a lot of rice syrup. And that left a really weird aftertaste. So, but I was an able aviator. I'm used to eating most anything. So I figured what the heck, I'll try it. Also, Dennis is a food snob, self-admitted, like he's a foodie. So I figured it can't be that bad. And it was in a silver foil wrapper. I unwrapped it, ate it and said, wait, this is pretty good uh was shocked essentially and yeah. he said oh yeah let's do it he knew i was an entrepreneur from my past work and he said look i can't run a company but i know buyers i know products why don't we work together so that was a conversation started in 2005. it took him five years of taking me to stores like whole foods and sprouts and local markets to um convince me to leave tech and real estate and and start orchard candy with them
0: nice and was that like was that a, was it like super different for you then when you went into the candy business compared to being in tech and real estate? Like, was it a yeah, big it was, shift?
1: It was a big shift, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, you know, the worst day in candy is better than most best days in residential real estate. So <laughs> I bet. And, and um, if we, I didn't, you know, I was willing to try something for you. I talked to my family um, I said, look, you know, it's going to be no salary. We're going to go back to the good old days here of me working a lot longer, et cetera. And they were all very supportive. Actually, the funniest thing was my youngest daughter was worried we'd lose her house. I mean, she was like, let's see, what year was this? 2010. So she was 10. It's like, Wait, are we going to lose her house? I was like, no, no, we're not going to lose our house. But I figured it was worth giving it a year. I just really believe in entrepreneurship. I mean, you. Even if it fails, you learn something. And it seemed like an interesting category. I like learning about stuff. So it was nice having a product. So, right from the get go, I had to learn about UPC codes, the barcodes you use, and nutrition facts, yeah. things you just take for granted in the supermarket. Oh but there's goodness, companies yeah. that issue those and there's rules to follow. And so, wrappers, raw materials. So it was really interesting. And then the other part that was great is you had a product. You know what I'm saying? So you could go and help yeah. people. And since it was candy and not cauliflower, even though I'm a big fan of cauliflower, you know, people don't get... Not everybody. Is. About cauliflower. So, you know, that part was good. And so I just felt it would be really interesting if it failed in a year and I was out a couple hundred thousand dollars. I was fortunate enough that I could withstand that kind of investment, then it would still be worth it. But...
0: Yeah. And that was 2010, like right two years after 2008 and you were in real estate. Like, what was that... What was that like? Was it kind of like, hey, I have nothing to lose or had things bounced back for you by then? Because like, that's like an interesting time too. And for your yeah. daughter to be like, oh, I don't want to lose the house. Like that's probably <laughs> the narrative on the news and everything. Like, what was that like?
1: Yeah. So it was, um, the industry went through, I was in the industry, you know, from 1999 to 2010. So I'd seen a lot of different stuff. Um, you know, my partner from business school, Juan me, and I started Zip Realty, which was the first kind of online tech real estate brokerage. We kind of developed the accessibility of listings online in a easy use format. We'd seen it go up and down. For me, the big decision on moving was, as I told my uh, partner, if I had to like show another like six-year-old person how to use their browser on a seven-year-old laptop, I was going to shoot myself because I was spending
0: (laughs) too much time doing that. In the real estate (laughs) business?
1: Yeah. So I was like, this is, there's got to be a better use of my energy. Um, and we'd done a lot of pioneering stuff as a Realty. And then I built a statewide multiple listing service for the California Association of Realtors. So I could have probably just trundled along. I had opportunities to go work on bigger brands. But I just felt I'd done my work there. I don't know how to explain this. And I knew I had to do something else. And so uh, this looked like the right opportunity because I did have kids, two daughters. I did wonder why my Halloween candy up in the pantry could last five years. And still be edible at some level. You
0: know, I've never thought of that as a bad thing, but now I've realized it is. I've always thought like, oh, that's great. You know, you open the pantry and it's still there. Right, right.
1: So it's like this is probably a reason.
0: Yeah, my kids
1: <laughs> should be eating. So or me too. And you look at the labels. You know, and I grew up in the Central Valley of California, where there's a lot of agriculture, but also a lot of use of pesticides, and saw how bad that is for the environment and the the wildlife there. So. All these things kind of coalesced into, hey, this looks like it could. I mean, it's not reducing CO two emissions or something like that, but um, I felt, you know, a lot of people buy a lot of candy. They should really have better choices. And the problem was there's an oligopoly in candy. It's Hershey's and Mars that control the U.S. market, and Ferraro's kind of coming in as the third player. And then after that, it's no one. That's over ninety percent of the market. So when you have an oligopoly in any business environment, you don't get innovation because they don't have to innovate. They can just cooperatively agree to slowly innovate. And that's why you see like just evolutions of a current brand, like a Reese's, a Reese's with you know, Reese's pieces in it, a bigger Reese's, right. a flat Reese's, or a Snickers, or a Snickers with caramel, or two layers of peanut butter. But is that really, I mean, if you really walked into a store from 1950s and today, and check the check stand, you know, candy aisle, it would look s- somewhat familiar. Yeah. If you go yeah. and do that and say you walk down a grocery store and you look down the coffee aisle from 1950 to now, you would not, or cereal, before cereal aisle was probably like three feet long. Now it's like an entire aisle. aisle. So yeah, it just, it just didn't make sense. Um, and hmm. there's no vested interest for the oligopoly to change. They're making good profits. So... Status quo for an oligopoly is good,
0: yeah. And what's the deal in the chocolate market? Like, are people eating more chocolate today, like more than ever?
1: Yes, yes, they are, I and mean, they're getting more sophisticated, just like with wine and, and craft coffee. beers. I mean,
0: yeah, when I was your age,
1: there <laughs> craft beer, wasn't you know, that was like Heineken,
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. look at this
1: import, um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, people are eating more chocolate. And they started eating more COVID, also being home snacking more. And there's a larger segment that's getting more particular about dark. I think America was a very milk heavy country, milk chocolate heavy, and that it's been shifting more to dark, which is more kind of a European feel. Also, the European milk is a lot different than the American milk because of Hershey and his creation of milk and the Hershey chocolate bar. He was actually a dairy farmer initially and was trying to make caramel, and he then said, Oh, what if I put this milk in chocolate? And he figured it out himself. But any chocolatier would say it's a very bad blend of milk because it has kind of an off-putting taste. And but <laughs> people got used to it. You know, Hershey bars took hold in World War II because they provided them to soldiers, and it was very nostalgic. And candy has a lot of nostalgia emotional pull on people. And so it just kind of grew from there.
0: Uh, but oh, man.
1: now there's more choices. Upstairs. People are realizing, hey, wait, maybe it's not necessarily all this. So it's just more choices. People get more choices. But yes, people are eating more candy. Um, and uh, I think many people are looking at labels a lot more than they did 10 years ago. And I think For I don't sure. want to, and they want to be able out. to
0: read the ingredients and understand it.
1: Yeah, right. You don't need a chemistry degree. That's what I used to say. It's like, yeah. you need a chemistry degree to read this label it probably is the warning sign not to put it in your body. So yeah, um, all those trends helped us, you know, mm-hmm. get there. And we have to also thank Justin's peanut butter cups. They came out a few years before us mm. by Justin out of Colorado, who has started a nut butter company and then also started. Making yeah, I actually had
0: him on the podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, he opened a lot of doors for us, not like purposely directly, but yeah. Because Justin started selling well. So when we came in and said, oh, we don't do cups, but we do like candy bars. Everything else. Yeah. They were receptive. Oh, it's kind of like Justin's because, you know, grocery retailers are pretty traditional and slow moving. So they're like, all right, let's try it. So that helped, you know, and I give kudos to Justin for getting that market proving, you know, that it could work.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And then what was the initial? So your partner developed, helped develop 365, build that into Whole Foods. You know, now everybody knows that brand. If you shop at Whole Foods, like then what was the next step from there? You're like, okay, I'm going to partner with you. Um, you didn't know any, you come from real estate and technology and then you're like, okay, wh- what do we do? Like, are you kind of like to him? You're like, Hey, what do we do here? And he's like, I'm going to make the chocolate and I need you to do, I don't know, spreadsheets or like, what was that like? What was the next oh, yeah. step? So, yeah.
1: So there's something was, it was a little bit like that. Um, <laughs> so essentially what ended up happening is we had a third partner at the time who he'd known from his days at 365, who'd worked at Seas and Mars. And she had a little, um, facility like her old uncle's drugstore up in Folsom that's a town outside of Sacramento that's two hours away from us and she was pretty good with formulations so Dennis and her worked out the formulations and then I drove every day for I don't know a year or two years about 125 130 miles each way every day to go learn how to make candy oh wow So I went up there and worked with her. So how
0: long would that take you to drive? Like if you're going 60 miles an hour, that's like two hours.
1: It's two hours each way, but that was on a good day. Usually coming back, there's a lot of traffic (laughs) around Sacramento. This is Um, pre-COVID.
0: What time would you leave and what time would you like get home? What would that look like? I would
1: probably leave around eight to avoid some of the traffic, seven to eight, get there at like nine to 10 and come back, leave there around six, get home at like eight. Um, and were
0: you loving it or was it just was it kind of like uh or was it like oh cool i'm going to the candy factory
1: depending on the, the day. bag. it was very interesting <laughs> in the beginning figuring it out we had some equipment there but it wasn't totally right and um our partner there was very guarded on our recipes that's a very typical in the candy industry everyone's like doesn't want anyone to know even if they're your partner so um interesting so we it it took a few months just to get the recipes dialed in and learn how to make the bars. And we're trying to automate a little bit with some equipment she had that could automate it. But after a while I realized it wasn't working. I called the manufacturer and they, I said something appears to be missing here. And they're like, yeah, you need a whole nother module to the system. I was like, well then why did this system get bought by her without the other module? And they said, if you know, please tell us. So, (laughs) At that point, then, we are spending a lot of time, but I needed that time to kind of go get to the stores. I've worked with my partner, Dennis, on the packaging, the name. He came up with the name. It stands for organic chocolate. He wanted the label to look totally contrary to candy at the time, more of a Google-esque, open, clean feel, peppy. So we did that. We'd actually made mock-ups. We call that arts and crafts time. Print them up in paper and wrap a bar
0: Oh you know, nice we
1: could. Um, and then we go in the stores late at night and we clear out the candy aisle and we put it in the stores and take photos and see, you know, if it was looking right on the shelf, if it stood out. And I started thinking, I remember one time we got, we we're leaving the store, I was like, Hey, wait, do we have all the bars? And I left one on the shelf. So I ran back. I said, wouldn't that have been funny? If someone, someone would brought this it and try to buy it. Well, it was obviously not brought properly, it would have been frightening. <laughs> but um, so all that time was fine. But then you know, after a while, I was like, okay. We're not going to be able to automate this. So I just looked at her. I said, can we just make it, you know, by hand, make them by hand? She says, well, that'll take a long, longer. I said, well, we just have to get to market and see if it works. I mean, my goal was to see if people I never heard of who never knew me or my partner would walk into a store and buy the bar and say they liked it. Because if you have food and you talk to friends and you hand them samples, unless they're really good, honest friends, if that sample tastes terrible, they're not going to say anything later until they go meet some other friends like oh my god that was so bad but did you try scott's using, candy
0: bar oh
1: yeah they won't <laughs> do that. so you can't really trust their feedback if you're starting a food company don't trust friend feedback unless they told you it's terrible then it is beyond terrible um but so that was kind of a litmus test for me so i said we just have to get to market and dennis had a lot of contacts at whole foods as you can imagine so norcal whole foods was interested if we could come up with it so i just wanted to get to the point of coming up with it so I just started hand making the bars like in batches of 15 and 20. Um, and then we did have an old wrapping machine that I got working that would only destroy like 20% of the bars that I handmade, which was very frustrating since they took so long to make. But anyways, it was a process. And after about nine months or so, I went to my partner and I said, I think we call it the buyers. I think we can go present. And that was, that was the start of it. So Whole Foods was the first place I we went to NorCal.
0: Nice. And then like, did you have, um, like, were you doing any, like, did you do any fundraising during that time while the product was being put together or, you know, just well, investing your own money Fortunately, the too? nice
1: thing was Dennis and I both had had success in previous businesses, so, so we, we were self-funding and that also allowed me to work a schedule that was more of my doing, even though I was working a lot, if, I also coached my daughter's soccer. Both teams had two daughters five years apart. So I was able to make the practices when I needed to and go to the game. So we both agreed that if it took an extra year or two to expand at the beginning, that was okay because we also had kids and wanted to enjoy them. And it wasn't, we didn't have VCs beating down our neck going, oh my God, why aren't you up 50%, you know, quarter over quarter, (laughs) something like that. So, um, and I learned from my previous companies at Realty that. once things start taking off, the time for learning ends. You're just trying to keep up with demand. And so...
0: Yeah. I Duct tape we, everything
1: together on the way up. <laughs> you're like, oh, we'll fix this later, but you never do. Right? You never it's do. permanent. Yeah. And so I thought this was a good time to really get to know the customer base, the two sides of the customers, the retail partners and the actual people buying the product. So that worked out right. And you know, Dennis got us an appointment with the buyers at Whole Foods. And I remember showing up to their offices and they're under a remodel. So we just sat on the floor and we brought a a fresh batch of Snickers, some Reese's, some mounds. And then we brought candy at their selling at the time, like Newman's own and some other stuff that was sun chips, sun cups or something and some other stuff. And then our candy. And we kind of said, this is what you're selling now. You have probably never tried it because it is really not that good. (laughs) And then we said, here's what everyone (laughs) thinks is candy which is fine. You know, everyone knows these brands. Like that's an amazing accomplishment by these companies. No matter when you get a Snickers or a Reese's, it pretty much tastes like it wherever you buy it. And I said, but we think there's something better. And so then there's a really funny moment there because I was hand-making them. The quality of the bars, the consistency was all over the map. And so, especially on the peanut butter bar and the Snickers-like bar, we call it caramel peanut bar. There wasn't certain that every time the layer of caramel and peanuts would be evenly distributed across the top. And so there was a little bit of a roulette wheel going there. So I You're remember. You're like, fingers
0: um, crossed they get a good bar.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they're pulling open, up to <laughs> cut it. And I remember, um, and sometimes in the peanut butter bars, there'd be too thick a bottom or the peanut butter dry out a little bit. And so I remember um, first they want to try the peanut butter bar because it wasn't a cup. And that's my favorite one. So I pulled one out. And then I was looking, and I realized it wasn't right. And so I purposely didn't know this, but I printed. I dropped on the floor. I'm like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Oh, luckily I brought you know eighteen. <laughs> another one. I'm like, "Well, now I hope the second one is good because that is
0: it. Like I can't." Yeah, you quiet. can't drop this again. And
1: then that one was fine. I was like, Shh. and then we cut a Snickers in half, and then Dennis and I were looking at each other, and I said, "Okay, we just had a look. You didn't have to say anything." And we cut our Snickers one. It was one of the best ones we ever had. You gotta you gotta catch some breaks sometimes when you're startup. Yeah. And so it looked perfect. It tasted great. I mean, a bars always taste great. And, um, and yeah. so they took it on the spot. And then they're like, okay, you know, in a couple months, you're going to be in 35 stores here in Northern California. And that's when I started freaking out, thinking, wait, how are we going to make that many candy bars?
0: Yeah, you're like 35. <laughs> so what was that initial order? They're like, okay, now you're going to be in 35 stores. You are like, whoa, I didn't think this far ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: I was trying to figure the math out on that, too. And then they're like, you have to get a distributor. I was like, oh. And,
0: and, like, and you're like in how long how much time did you have like three months so essentially <laughs> three months you got to lock down a distributor um right, stop yeah. making them from hand
1: no no we kept making them by hand i just had to make them. oh fast. you did yeah and then um and then ended up uh figured out what the demand was going to be i started hiring some people to start making them with me and then up in Folsom.
0: Do you and just then, hire people you knew, or like you found like people who are like in confectionery or whatever it's called? Well, UC
1: Davis has like a, a food science program. And so I just sent a random email in to one of the professors and it kicked around for a little while. And then somebody who was graduating emailed me and said, Hey, I'm very interested. And I was like, You are? Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> but then she had to tell her parents, She's like, Yeah, I know I could get a job. Like she was the first person in her family to go to, name was Diane, go to college. And they sacrificed a lot to have her go. And so they're expecting her to get like a job with a bigger CPG company and make, you know, 50, 60,000 to start, you know, and get going in a quality uh, control division. And I was like, well, I can pay you like $10 an hour and it will be maybe full time, no benefits. The company could go out of business in any moment. And I said, but you'll get to learn all about chocolate and making candy. And uh, she said, I want to do that. So it was an uncomfortable conversation with her parents, but it worked out. I mean, she was great. So That's amazing. Of-
0: the parents were involved too. Yeah. You can and, make a uh, movie about this, like the scene where you're dropping the candy and then the uh, the scene convincing the parents after they've just like invested their life's work and like getting her to, to go to college and then joins you.
1: work for an hourly job she could have got any time. <laughs> um, she is now doing quite well. She worked with us for a long time. So we ended up growing nice. the team that way. And then um, making more bars and then figuring out they want us to use their normal distributor, which is the national distributor called unify. But it was a 35 page contract. And after I read it, which I'm one of the people who reads contracts, I went back to them and I said, look, if we have to use unify, we can't do it because they have the right to take products as much as they want to give out samples to expand more sales and, you know, I'm hand making these. So I can't, I don't need them to sell more. Like I need to, I'll, I'll grow at my rate. Is there another distributor? And I thought we we're going to get dropped, but they said no, no, okay, that makes sense. The buyer really liked us, and they, he knew Dennis, so he's like, "We have another secondary distributor," which worked out great. They were, had like a five-page agreement. They were based out of Sacramento. They were really great for us, so they came and picked it up too, which was really helpful. So we got that solved, and then um, we were trying to figure out a way to get people to know our product was there. So we're going to do a bunch of in-store demonstrations where you, you know, cut up part of the bars and let people try them. And Whole Foods just initiated a system-wide demonstration team, so they had their own demo people. Not you didn't have to bring you didn't have. There's companies that would do that for you, but Whole Foods just decided to take in the house, and that started at the same time too. And they had a new, you know, online platform where you could see, you could request demos, and they confirm it. It was really great, but it had it wasn't quite working, and so we're just waiting around our candy. We made the shipment out to the stores. I mean, to the distributor that went to the stores. And they're waiting to get the um, first set of demos because I wanted to be prepared to go and do those. And then I get a call from a woman, the demo coordinator in San Mateo. And she said, hey, I haven't got my demo kit yet in your demo schedule for tomorrow. And I looked in the platform. I said, I'm not seeing that in the platform. She goes, oh, yeah, the platform's not working, but we got an email. In fact, your brand's going to be doing demos in like 35 stores over the next three days. I was like, oh, her name was Sandra. I was like, oh, thank you. I said, well, now you're calling me, you know, I could just send you our standard demo kit, but you seem nice enough. What, what would you like in a demo kit? What really makes a demo kit work? And cause I had no idea what should be in a demo kit. Yeah. by the way.
0: Yeah. And yeah. You're just like, absolutely. Yeah. The standard is fine. <laughs>
1: and she's like, here's what I want. And she told me exactly. And I was like, oh my God, and I was like quickly going on PowerPoint and making a flyer, going by a little plastic tilt up to stick the flyer in. And then I spent the next six hours calling every other store and trying to cancel the demos and move them so I could get them them (laughs) and it turned out I got all but three canceled and unfortunately the three were San Mateo, Nevada, and Monterey. I was like oh my god the farthest ones I have to go to but I did that and then we got it sorted so out. So what'd
0: you do? You just like packed up the truck with the demo kit that she yes, recommended? Yes, and then we <laughs> created this little route
1: that we go to. We learned most of the grocery team comes in early and gets off around noon or one. So you don't have the whole day to visit all the whole food stores. You have to kind of get there early. So we had little routes. We split up the whole foods region into like five routes. And I would just head off in the morning and like drive down to Monterey and hit a bunch of stores coming back or drive up to... Petaluma and Santa Rosa, you know, and come back and then got to keep the air conditioning on in your minivan at all times. You can't stay in the store for very long because your car is starting to get warm. I mean, it was, it was crazy. The the
0: chocolate will melt. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's disaster. So yeah. um, And now a quick break for a quick word from our sponsor, Okendo. Okendo is the new standard in customer reviews for high growth Shopify brands. We use them with our clients, and they work with over 4,000 of the fastest-growing Shopify retailers like Skims, Nomad, and Buck Mason to help them leverage their most powerful asset, their customers. Okendo gives brands all the tools they need to capture and showcase customer-generated content like product reviews and ratings, photos and videos, and Q&A. Plus, they have an awesome integration with Klaviyo that makes it easy to do cool stuff like send review request emails and target shoppers based on review content. And now that it's that time of year again, when Black Friday and Cyber Monday are top of mind, Okendo is offering a 90-day free trial to help e-commerce brands ramp holiday conversion without having to worry about increased subscription costs. If you sign up before October 31st, you pay nothing until 2022. It's really a no-brainer to me, and don't worry, you won't be forced into any expensive annual contracts after your trial is up. They offer super affordable monthly subscriptions starting at $29. $29. So you can make the most out of this holiday season with a little help from Okendo. Visit Okendo.io and start your free trial today. That's O K E N D O.io. Thanks, Okendo, for sponsoring the show.
1: And it always brought extra candy to give to the checkout people because we knew, like at Whole Foods, unlike like a Safeway, customers chatted with the checkers, and the checkers liked something, they would say it, and people we heard numerous times, people, what's good? What are you getting here lately? It just was a normal banter at Whole Foods. Mm. And what you want them to say is, oh, man, there's this new great candy bar. That's amazing. It's called Ocho Candy. So, And people started doing that. So we started selling and uh, doing demos. And the tricky part of the beginning was overcoming that we were organic. Mm. Even in like 2011, people thought organic equals bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you look at our old packaging, organic was like really tiny. Uh, and now <laughs> no, it's, it's like, like bigger than the logo. <laughs> like gigantic. <laughs> like. Every USDA logo possible, but um, we we just, we get people to try it and they were, we call the dojo face. It'd always be so shocked. Like, wait, this, not only isn't this good, it tastes better than a regular candy bar. Uh, And we're like, well, that was our goal. We knew organic would get you in the store with the buyers. But if you're an organic leaning consumer and you're trying to buy more organic candy bar is the area where you can break really easily. If you eat it, it tastes bad. You're like, well, I'm ready to do organic with everything else. I'll just keep getting the Snickers. But so we had to make sure that when you ate it, it tasted amazing and you forgot it was organic. Because then, then you would go, oh, this tastes great. Plus it's organic. Then there'd be the halo of, halo of organic over you. So you feel better. And then it led to that. So taste is our number one criteria. We'll sacrifice any expense to make sure our candy bars taste the best in ministry. And mm. I think we've kind of established that with our brand, people know when we roll out a product, it's gonna be the standard for taste. Um, You know, our candy is made in in a fashion similar to very expensive truffles and stuff like that. And, you know, we could outsell them if we wanted to in that environment, but we just thought it should be not as expensive. People should be able to enjoy better tasting candy at a more reasonable price. And uh, that has really helped our brand along because it was really word of mouth. I mean, we didn't have a big budget. we're bootstrapping along. So
0: were you nervous in the beginning? Like after you got in the stores, you finally did the demos or you're like, all right, now I hope this sells. Cause it's not like one part of the story just turns and then you wake up and like, everything's amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, we were
1: tracking like, yeah. Luckily Whole Foods had weekly sales data at access. A lot of stores don't do that or they charge you a ridiculous amount of money to find out how you're doing. So I have like these old spreadsheets where I had store by store, week by week, skew by skew. So we're just checking it. And I was like, Dennis, I think this is selling well, but I can't, I don't have a relative number. Like they won't tell us what a good number is. Yeah. Like yeah. if we sell 120 bars of one SKU in a month, is that good? Not good. You know, I don't know what the other ones on the shelf are selling. So occasionally he hit up some of his little contacts just to give, because I couldn't say, but is this in the pack, pack plus or pack minus? And they're like, you're pack plusing. So, and I guess we we're doing well enough and whatever internal database there was because the SoCal buyer called us up and asked for samples and took us in without even us meeting them. You know oh, and wow. So. So and then
0: that's how you expand it started to expand. Yeah, so Foods. our
1: strategy at the beginning was anchor with Whole Foods, then hit all the natural organic players around that. And we went to a lot of store calls with like Nugget and you know all sorts of smaller chains in the region. And then we do that and just kept jumping around to different Whole Foods because uh, they didn't have a centralized buyer really. Uh, And so we did the West Coast first, and then we had started our website, and we were getting a lot of sales from the Boston, New York market because there's a little store in the San Francisco airport called Napa Valley Farms, and they they took us from like day one. Their general manager took six months finding us. Said, "My God, I finally found you guys! I've been wanting to put your product in my store for forever." They're like, "Oh, great!" and that gave us a lot of good exposure to people coming in and out of the airport. And so we started seeing orders there. So we jumped over to the Boston area and kind of went down the East coast. And then once we got into like six or seven regions,
0: and this is all in whole foods for the most part. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Then the buyer for Unify, the big distributor called us up and we went out to Rhode Island and he goes, it's very clear. You're going to be a national product. So let's just get out in front of this. And, um, let's get you in every one of our warehouses so you can get all the Whole Foods and everything else. And then he said, you're going to need to have trucking relationships and brokers and all this different stuff. And luckily at that time, we knew enough about the business that the conversation was productive. If we would have that conversation in our first two or three months, none of what he was saying would make sense. But by that time, we were aware of all the promotional spend you have to do and candy. Candy is very expensive because the big players spend a lot of money to discount their product and put it on sale.
0: Yeah. I feel like it's always like two for one or something like even in the most random places, like you're at CVS, the health store, and uh, it's like three for one (laughs) Reese's Cups.
1: Yeah. So that's called internally, We, you know, in the industry, it's called trade spend. So trade is how much you have to spend. So say if you sell something for a dollar, there's a percentage you have to spend, expected spend just to maintain your product on the shelf, because that's what the category demands. If it's something like pizza sauce, it's like 4%. So if you sell a dollar's worth you really only gonna get 95 cents because they're expecting you to spend five cents in the store on these coupons, discounts, promotions, whatever. Candy's more like mid twenties. It's very, very, very high. So, um, you know, if you sell for a dollar, you get a dollar of revenue, you have to pump 20 to 25 more cents back in to oh. keep it going. If you don't, you're gone. So even at
0: like Whole Foods. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And like was was were the big brands in Whole Foods at that time?
1: No, but the category
0: still expected it. You know, it's just like a <laughs> prime category. Like, it's just industry standard. It's like who's set the standard?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's it was brutal. But I mean you just you know, you did it. So you run promotions for like our bars, we learned price well at the full bar was a dollar ninety nine. So then we ran promotions for two for three or three for four. You know, you do all sorts of different things. We kind of found two for three was the best spot. Sometimes we do five for five, um, which was just too big a discount, right? Because then you're devaluing the brand, and it wasn't really increasing sales as much as you would think. That's kind of a last ditch effort if you have a bunch of product that's about to time out, and you need to like get it off the shelf before they just take it off the shelf and charge you for it. So, um, so you. We knew all that stuff. So when we went to Unify and they talked about how much you'd have to spend with them and their network, we we were very educated. So it made sense and we formed more of a partnership that was really helpful. And
0: signed the 35 pager or you know, still a 35-page
1: contract. Yeah. Oh my god, it was. <laughs> but I'd read it a couple of times. So but then I knew what they're talking about. And it's like some of the stuff made sense now for us. Yeah, I mean we like there.
0: figuring out the logistics of that, like the second they bring up trucking, I'm like, man, I didn't even think of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we have to do everything refrigerated, which is so, um, right. so essentially because it'll melt otherwise, yeah. And even if it's winter, and you say, Oh, that's all right, it's winter now, it's cold, you don't know where those trucks are going. So, say you have a shipment to Michigan from Northern California and you check the weather, you're like, Oh, it's all like 40s and 50s, we're good. Well, that truck may be heading down to LA, then over to Arizona, and then up, and then maybe they stopped a day in Arizona. And Guess what? That's it, $20,000, $50,000 worth of product could be melted. So, you can't. We just never thought it was worth risking it, even though it's way more expensive to pay for refrigerated trucks. And then the other thing is we couldn't fill up a whole truck. Like we're not big enough to fill the trucks. So you have to work with trucking companies that consolidate orders. And then you, you buy like less than full loads refrigerated, which is about as expensive as it gets. So, but we got pretty adept at that. We had a lot of carriers and we have ones if we're just shipping in the state, some for shipping to the Midwest, some of the East Coast that were better geared pricing wise to do that. So, Um, yeah, so we had a whole team. We always have had a relative sizable logistics team trying to coordinate moving the candy to to our retailers. Yeah, so you figure all that stuff out, right? So it's never, as the business grows, you just keep getting more complicated things that people don't think about. I always tell people, man, when you walk in a supermarket and the shelves are full, which people are now understanding because of COVID and supply chain issues, like it's a modern miracle. Yeah, and we knew all the stuff that went on to, for us to make a candy bar to get it there and how much little money we make compared to everyone else. Because essentially when we sell the candy bar, we sell it to a distributor. We usually have a sales group called brokerage that augments our sales team that's like works with many different brands and does calls. And so you pay them a percentage of your sales um, to, to go do that. And you have to, unless you want to have like 200 sales people. And then the distributor marks it up and sells it to the store and the store marks it up too. And then if they want, you know, promotions, discounts that comes down. So it gets real tight.
0: <laughs> yeah. So how do you do that? Like, did you just, did you continue to bootstrap it? Were there some pens where it's like, Oh, hold your breath. And then like yeah, see I mean, what happens or. So
1: the beginning we just bootstrapped it after like a year or so we outgrew a year and a half to Folsom place. I actually, it was just like crazy. I would literally be taking shipments at eight o'clock at night, driving them down. And the next morning, 6am, a truck would be coming to my partner's office, which is just like in a, <laughs> over, over a bank, over a mechanics bank. So the truck would call, they're expecting to go to a warehouse. I'm like, no, no, yeah, we're, they're over in a this, bank. <laughs> we're over this bank and, and there's, I don't have a pallet jack. I mean, I don't have a lift, you know, a, a forklift. So and it's really hot out here. It's hundred degrees. So just pull in or pull along the side of the road if your truck's too big. And then I'm going to run down with my pallet of product and we're going to put it on your truck. So it's not out here very long. So anyways, we all, how would all you that. get the
0: pallet down? I was trying to picture that.
1: Well, you carry all the boxes down and then build the pallet.
0: Oh, I see. Like you carry like hundred boxes. It's like, down you guys floor. are in whole foods. Yeah. Yeah.
1: People and people didn't understand. It was crazy. It's hilarious. We were short. Of I love pallets, it. And there happened to be a local, I won't say their name, grocery store across the street that we were in. And occasionally if we we're had a pallet, I would literally run over there in the back of the thing and steal a pallet. I hate to admit.
0: They're like, who's this guy dumpster diving? His candy's for sale on the on yeah, the." Yeah, uh, they didn't know that. I was just,
1: like scooting a pallet over across the parking lot, across the street. That's so hilarious. We outgrew that, but we're handmaking them. And then we moved into Oakland, which was a lot better. And then at that point, we went from the four people at the time we had up in Folsom. We called them the Core Four. They all agreed to relocate to the Bay Area. And within a year, we went from four people to fifty-two people working twenty-four-seven handmaking bars. Oh wow! Um, and uh, so we had a night shift, and on the best we could do in a day is make like twelve thousand bars. We got very efficient in hand making them, but. It was still holding us back because my partner was like you know so and so wants to buy bars from us i'm like no it's impossible target was talking to us bigger players are talking to us. <laughs> like, i can't we can't do it so we're trying to figure out a way to automate it or like double the space we're in but when you're using hand labor like that you're just losing money the price of the bar was more of a market market price not a like a mega profit price if we had to do make a profit price, it would have been like $9 a candy bar. I think at that time. So which oh, wow. which no one would have bought, you know, have two sales, but yeah. Um, so after we got to that turning point, we realized we had to do something different. and We had been doing investigation for a couple of years on seeing if there was a facility where we could have them do the manufacturing for us, a co-manufacturer. And we went to everyone who used organic chocolate in the United States and Canada. Um, and everyone who looked at us when they saw our bars was like, Oh, We love these things, but our equipment can't do that. And we don't know whose equipment could. So we're just getting frustrated by that. And finally, we went to a show in Chicago that just has food equipment. And we ran into a company there from Europe that had some potential to make this stuff. They didn't have anything designed for it, but we thought some of their equipment could be modified. And they seemed pretty open to it. So we just invited them to Oakland while they're in Chicago to come visit us and see how we're doing it and see if they would be interested in selling us a very automated, high-tech line. And um, they said, sure, which surprised me. And like a week after the show, they came, they showed up a Cal North, the, the North America sales rep and the worldwide sales rep. And just out of the blue, they brought their actual CEO and family, the company's name for his family. He just decided to come along. They didn't give us any heads up. I'm like, what nice. the heck? So the place we're in was really tiny. It's like 4,000 square feet. In the front, everyone's like, Hand filling the bars or knocking them out of the molds or wrapping them. In the back, there's a bunch of us at IKEA desk in full hair nets and lab coats on typing on computers where they're making the centers. So, powdered sugar is wiping out all our computer terminals. And I just gave him a tour. And after like 15 minutes, he said, Never have I seen, he goes, Only in America are people so crazy and so genius. He goes, This is the craziest setup I've ever seen, but your product is the best I've tasted in 15 or 20 years. And we've, built over 700 candy factories. He goes, whatever you guys need, we're going to make sure you get it done. So we went out to them that night and negotiated a price for the line. And I said, look, there's a few million dollars. I'm like, you know, we don't have any money. So how much does the down payment require to get this started? I'm like 5%. And I said, then what's the payment terms after that? And they told us, you have like three months to do 40%. Then we'll start doing it. And I was like, okay, we'll do it. And so the funny part is, They started a price that was too high, but they didn't know some of the people we visited, the co-manufacturers, wanted to do the project, but they just couldn't get their owners to agree to it. But they became our friends. And so they had been buying equipment from this manufacturer. So when we told them we were meeting with them, they're like, don't let them charge you more than X. So when we were having our dinner to negotiate the price, they started well above X. And then I was like, oh, come on, we're a startup. I don't have any money. Like, are you insane? This will never work. This We're not some big company like Mars or something. So they kept lowering it and lowering it. And then finally, once it got below the number, then we said, oh, all right, I guess that'll work. So <laughs> nice. anyways, then we had to go raise the money. And my yeah. mom's like, this is insane. He had never raised money before like this. I'm like, dude, this is a great story. Now we're going to get this automated. Let's you walk up at cool.
0: dinner. You're like, that's awesome. And your partner's like, dude, what are we going yeah, uh, like, to Millions of dollars. <laughs>
1: millions of dollars. And we didn't have a space or anything. So we had to go find a new
0: space. Oh my and- goodness.
1: Anyways. You're but, like, we get
0: to be Willy Wonka. This is awesome.
1: Yeah. So we got it together. We got a space. We put the line in with many, many troubles. Um, it took a long, much longer than anticipated to get it working. How do you even
0: find that? You're like, uh, you talk, call up a real estate agent. You're like, listen, I need to be a, build a chocolate factory. They're like, yeah, right. Hang well, on. I knew a little <laughs> bit
1: about real estate. So I was in good shape. There. Oh, that's and, true. That's true. And I had a general manager who had just come on board. She turned out to be neighbor of mine in my town, but also turned out she knew my wife's family. Uh, so it was a weird coincidence, but she was a candy person through and through it. So she was excited to build the factory. So she knew what needed to be done. And so she just like got a Gantt, chart of like 500 lines together and <laughs> just like, let's go, you know, beast mode. So she was awesome. So we powered it through. And then the funny part was we finally got the line working. It was like three months late and we had an extra million dollars cushion and our fundraiser just to like give us some time to run the line and prove it. We burned through all that. So I remember sending a newsletter. I sent out quarterly newsletters to all our investors and we'd only had angel investors, not angel, you know, but accredited investors. We didn't have any large funds. Right. I was like, the good news is the line's up and running. The bad news is we're out of money. So we need more money. And my partner's like, you're, you're insane. I said, I'm insane, but what are they gonna do? Like if they don't fund us, yeah. it, like we're out of business because we were kind of tapped out ourselves.
0: And it's the truth. Like, what are you gonna do? Lions like everything's fine.
1: Yeah. So we got the money and yeah. Anyways, and then we started running a line. It was a major achievement, the only line like its type in the in the world. Even the uh, wow. the manufacturing company was surprised what we we're able to do with the line with how we adjusted it to make our products. And the, then we went from making 12,000 bars in a day to an hour, hour and a half. Whoa, I mean, quantum leap! And so, then is
0: it like let's hit the ground running sales? Like let's get everywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah, but we didn't have a lot of money to do that. That was the problem. Oh. <laughs> you know, that works well when you see that happening in the CPG space is because those firms a lot of times have crested a certain sales level and then maybe they get a ten or fifteen million dollar round to really like mm. play the promotional game to get it going. So we didn't have that luxury because we poured all our money into our <laughs> equipment, which saved us. I mean, it was a home run. The first year alone, we saved over a million dollars in labor costs. I mean, it was just, wow. it was just impossible for it not to work on that. Well, aspect. significantly,
0: but, like what? Almost 8Xing your output?
1: Yes. Yeah. Then the issue is we just had too much output, you know, capability. We could just make candy way too fast. So that's a whole nother thing that evolved over time. But yeah, so then we started growing quickly. We got deals with, <laughs> Bigger chains were able to innovate, brought in new shapes. We started doing seasonal; the first people to really take on seasonal candy. So we got, and that's like your Easter style. Yeah, we got like, like eggs. little eggs. We have eggs for Easter eggs, and we got trees for Christmas. Now a lot of people have copied us um, because seasonal market's a lot different than the everyday. There's different buyers, and in the stores that represent that do the decision for that, and then also customers. There's like eighty percent difference between holiday oh, buyers and everyday. So. Um, it was a really interesting market. And, you know, once I found out like Reese's eggs back like seven or eight years ago, which were more blobby than they've gotten more of an eggy shape, I think through much criticism, we're doing, you know, $50 million in sales. I'm like, Holy crap. If they're doing 50 million, we just need a little tiny blip of that. Yeah. Um, so we just started adding products like that, adding chains, growing, growing, right. So we just started growing, but we are still hemorrhaging cash less cash relative to the sales right but still hemorrhaging cash so that was a challenge was how could we get this thing profitable and and then we started talking to people who were further upstream than us on the sales side like oh it's like the holy grail the elusive profitability oh we'll get it at 20 million dollars in sales and you get to 20 it's like well maybe it's at 30 million dollars in sales like holy crap which is fine if you're amazon right you just keep selling until yeah you, you, you know raising money but we didn't have those kind of deep pockets that so were like, man, this is this going to be grim. We just don't have another twenty million dollars capability in our current investor base to like make this happen. So, in one hand, it was exciting; we're growing. On the other hand, it became clear that something was going to have to change. So that kind of happened in 2019. Um, brought on, we closed a round of financing. We had good growth and the thing they wanted to do, which I want to do too, was bring on a VP sales. Cause I was CEO, I was doing VP of sales, and I was doing fundraising. So it was a lot, you know, it's just typical startup stuff. Mm-hmm. And I brought in a great VP of sales who was the founder of Theo Chocolates and had diverted out to other organic products for 10 years and wanted to come back. And I was surprised he wanted to come work with us because he's working in a much bigger company. Um, but he's been tremendous. He's still with us. Thank God. <laughs> Through all the crazy stuff. And then I started looking at our numbers, I'm like, Hey, why? Why are we losing more money relative, you know, bigger piles of money? Not, you know, our gross margins are getting better and our net income loss, right. Right. loss is getting better, but it's still becoming a big pile of money. I mean, if you have a billion dollars in sales and you lose 1%, that's $10 million you lose, right? So it's like, hmm, not a problem if you have $10 million sitting in the bank. If you don't, you're in deep trouble. So after about two or three months, I went in the back, looked at all our time studies because. Penciling it out, I'm a kind of Excel spreadsheet junkie. So I was like, something isn't right here. And then it became clear at the end of the summer of 2019. I went to my partner and I said, you know, a big wild cash we just got like eight months ago, it's evaporating quicker than we thought. And this is the reason why our sales growth is tremendous, but it's just eating up cash. And we're not going to get to where we need to be if we're still in this location with this cost structure. Because the equipment was so efficient that in an ideal world for cost structure, we would just bring everyone in for like nine days a month, make all the candy we needed in three shifts, and then tell everyone to go home, not pay them and not pay rent for that part of the factory for the other 21 days. But you can't do that, right? You got to have employees. And we believe in taking care of employees. so, So I was like... Eventually it could work if our sales were quadruple, but that's going to take time because of the buy cycles and it's kind of tricky through the retail channel. So I so said, we got to find a new, on our next round here, we need to find a partner where we, a strategic partner that's in manufacturing already so we can get the cost structure and alignment, which was, I couldn't even mention to anybody a partner because we were so about making the candy internally and, and had developed such a great reputation for that, but you just have to see the writing on the wall. It's like you can go down with a Titanic or you can say, we got to like patch that hole and move on. So we started talking to a different set of investors in the fall of 2019 and we're gearing up and then we all know what happened in 2020. We had a board meeting scheduled the third week of March where we're supposed to get the offers from three or four strategics we've been talking to for months, sending them due diligence, huge drop box of data that were all in different sectors that made sense to like partner with. And unfortunately, COVID hit, and then that created a, oh my God, a twelve-month crazy. I mean, it was it was it was crazy. Anyways, <laughs> but needs to say, after that time, the next six months, we were always within one to two weeks of going to bankruptcy because of cash flow. It was all crazy. of twenty
0: twenty. Yeah, yeah. It How was, were you feeling during that? It was stressful. Um. And now a quick break for a word from our sponsor, ReCharge. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly $500 billion by 2025. As a fast-growing area in commerce, subscriptions hold tremendous opportunities to build a community of customers who share your values. ReCharge is the leading subscription management solution, helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth of over 15,000 subscription merchants and their communities, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omnichannel brand, subscriptions strengthen your brand's relationship with your customers and make it easy for consumers to make repeat purchases. With subscriptions, merchants are able to experience predictable revenue, increase customer loyalty, and higher average order values. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Get started today with the subscription payment solution trusted by over 50 million subscribers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash e-commerce leaders. And now back to the show.
1: How did Um, you deal with
0: that? Well, I
1: started trail running,
0: <laughs> which helped a lot. That's what I figured. I'm like, he's, he, I, I feel like he started running. He had to start some sort of exercise or something. I was to stay doing CrossFit
1: in. before my daughter did trail running. She's like, you should go trail running. And I got, like, I'm gearing up for a 50K here, which will be the longest ever at the end of April. So I did a lot of that. My family is home. My daughters were in college. I'm older. So they were listening to some of the Zoom calls with our investors and how angry and Bad, they were like unprofessional, and they're like that. I don't even know why you're even doing this. I said they're just upset. That's okay. I know what we're gonna do. Here's the right thing. I just have to like stay the ship. It's my responsibility. Keep this company alive. Keep jobs for the employees. Keep this brand alive. It's too important a brand. I mean, when that first PPP loan came in, that was savior. Um, we got a second PPP loan. So if people asked it up program work well it kept our company and kept people 50 people with their jobs yeah Um, so essentially after a bunch of negotiations and that's a whole conversation for another day about adjusting your cap table and stuff like that we it was the end of august the thing was supposed to close in june or july but we had gotten so good at managing our cash flow and we were lucky we got our receivables in just the way we needed to that i finally called them up and and we were just down on document You know, signing off, but they had a firm that was, in my opinion, trying to hit them up for as many possible hours as they could. Like the legal firm.
0: Yeah. Like you like get the red lines back and you're like, What?
1: Yeah, this is stupid. Like, why are we doing our (laughs) lawyers? We're aghast. Like this should have been done. It's not a huge round. This is something you got to nice justify before. those fees. <laughs> yeah. Like an IPO. I was like, I know I've been through an IPO. I agree with you. So the, the anyways, legal team
0: must've been hit hard. They need to get their billings up. Yeah. Yeah. They are. They, Oh my God.
1: Yes. They made a killing <laughs> against our partners, but Yikes. I finally just called up and said, look, it was a Friday night. I said, you either sign the documents tonight and why is the money on, money on Monday? Or I have the documents ready from our law firm to declare bankruptcy. The deal's done. Like we've already stretched this out two months beyond belief. We've asked many of our suppliers to like delay payments on seven or eight years worth of goodwill. Like I can't, I can't do this. I already feel bad that I might be screwing them. Like I just, I can't do it. So then the documents came over late at night, and the wire came in Monday morning, and then that was, that was it. And so then,
0: how'd you sleep Monday? (laughs) <laughs> much better. Much better. <laughs> and
1: then after like two weeks of like people feeling relieved in our company, no one left. By the way, I told them in June, I said, anyone wants to leave now, you can. I can't guarantee payroll. And I understand. Like it's week by week, but no one left. Um, so they're a really good group of people. And I think it's because we kept them very open. We're very open about how we're doing this company. I just feel you have to be that way with your team. Everyone has a life that's you know dependent on your. On their job in most cases unless they're independently wealthy and you can't just be lying to people and show up one day with the doors closed i mean people do that i I, right. I can't love myself like that neither can my partner we're really big about culture and people so uh then the big issue was last year 2021 was taking our line out of oakland and moving to our partners facility which became with supply chain <laughs> issues a very 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 challenging so um, but that got done at the end of last year, we had four months with no candy. It's really fun to be a candy company with no candy. Cause we had to stop manufacturing. We built up a bunch of inventory. That's a fun conversation with a bunch of people. Okay. I need you guys to work a little extra hard over the next four months. And when you're done, you don't have a job. Is that okay?
0: <laughs> How did you have, I mean, I'm assuming you didn't phrase it like that.
1: Um, Not like that, but I mean, you didn't have to be a like Mensa member to figure it out, but
0: right. Especially when it comes to someone's livelihood, like they can figure that out pretty easily. Like, even if you didn't say anything, you're just like, Hey, we need to up the volume for a little bit. They're like, wait a minute. I can do the math. You're stocking up for something.
1: No, we told them, we told them, I mean, we had a good relationship with our team and our every person we treat every person at the same level. I said, if anybody's treated worse than me, even our hourly person, the person who cleans up the facility, if you treat anybody worse than me, you're gonna be fired. Like every job here is important. It's just different roles we all have, but we all have to play together. And that's the person cleaning up as valuable as I am or the person running the line or whatever, Um, because without any one of these people, it doesn't work. So that was an issue. We created like a retention incentive for people to stay on. And then we also simultaneously offered them job search resources. And we were reaching out to a bunch of other companies, see if they needed qualified food production workers. So everyone stayed and got they got made more money than they ever had in that time period, got big bonuses, and um most of them got other jobs or took time off. Like, hey, because <laughs> you also were getting like COVID checks. Remember that crazy stuff? Anyway, yeah. so you know, we're oh, coming. Yeah. we're playing because people weren't coming back to work because you were making more money not
0: working. Well, we didn't have oh, our, yeah.
1: we paid our people more than the minimum wage, so by a lot.
0: Yeah, so, it actually almost worked out for you.
1: Yeah. So you get one break. Yeah, yeah. So then by the middle of March, we were done, we were packing up, took 17 containers to, you know, pack up our equipment and move it And four containers just for raw materials and packaging and um, shipped it down there to our partner's place and built it up. And that got very complicated. And so anyways, we ran out of candy. And the other thing that happened was the candy we had built was based on projections we were seeing. But of course, knowing our luck. Within two weeks after we stopped making candy, sales and some of our key partners just doubled. Oh, no. reason, which, which normally would have been like, finally, after nine years of work with this partner, <laughs> customers finally want us, right? They know we're part of the shopping thing. And now I just seen this pile of coconut pouches, our top seller, just evaporate so quickly. We were just in Panic City. And we're like, well, maybe it's just going to be for a couple of weeks and they'll get back. Summer will come, they'll stop buying our stuff. Nope. And then anyways, so we ran out of candy and (laughs) then everyone's getting mad at us. And And when you say everyone,
0: are you talking to your customers or the buyers or
1: customers, big chains, national chains? I mean, we're like 70, 80% out of stock in some places. Oh, wow. It was, it was insane. And we were just had gallows humor. Like, how's it be running a candy company with no candy? Like, it's kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) even some bars that we had that were close to timing out, like in September of last year or July, August, randomly Facebook called us up. It was like, oh my God, you guys have 10,000 candy bars. We're bringing some people back to the office. We want to do something fun. And we're like, we have these two flavors. That's it. And you have to take them like the next month. Otherwise, they're like not going to be in code. We'll take them. And that was a win for us. Yeah. And that turned out to be like most of our revenue for that month. I mean, we had had like lost 90% or 95% of our revenue for four months. Anyways, it was great. But now the line's working. Kennedy's coming
0: back. I feel like you could do anything after that. Like now that you made it through that, holy cow. Yeah.
1: Well, we're now in the rebuild. I tell my BPS sales who stuck with us. He was very depressed watching our numbers collapse because they're actually moving up Q q1 of 2021 was our best qy and it was just going better from there so it was unfortunate the timing of this whole situation but it had to be done because the cost structure was still even though it's getting better like our sales we're still losing mad money on top of paying everyone extra so um i was like well we just have to do it and so we'll rebuild so I, I was just explaining to our partners today. We're having a call about raw materials and packaging, to make sure they have enough of everything. Is I said, look, sales going to be pretty bumpy for the next three or four months because we're not totally fully aware of the fallout of all this like shorting for months upon months. I said, I hate to be grim, but it's kind of like Chernobyl. There's radiation, like effects still not completely felt. So once we get stabilized there, we'll start building back. But in some cases, people are already coming back to us. We went to a show. They're doing shows again. And people are like, oh, my God, we thought you were out of business. <laughs> we're like, no, <laughs> we're
0: not out uh, of business. So, actually, we did so well. We sold out of everything. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. And
1: then we didn't have capability to make anything more. So yeah, it's probably going to be the rest of this year to do it. But the exciting part is with our new partner, our cost structure is completely in alignment for success. That's amazing. And they have a bunch of other candy making equipment because they make a bunch of other things. So new product pipeline for the next five years. Unless we totally blow it, any kind of conventional chocolate candy that's on the shelves now, made by any of the big companies, we're going to be able to make an Ocho version or you know, of it or a variation or new stuff that's like it or more fun. That's better tasting, cleaner, organic, and at a better cost structure. So we feel like this is like the fourth iteration of the company now, but it's the one that is finally where we want to do to have fun with the brand. Cause it's supposed to be a fun brand. Um, and, uh, people sense it as that. So our team is probably after getting through that as excited as ever, because realistically, no, we're finally, you know, you're on the trail. It's not easy. You're on the trail. You're going up the north face of Mount Everest. There's still things that can happen, but you know you're on it. And so um, it'll be really interesting. Had a great conversation about some new products we're going to launch, bring out of the Sweets and Smacks Expo, which is a big candy U.S. candy show in Ch- Chicago in May. We're going to go fly over to our partner's facility in April and do the first production runs on some some new stuff we have. that's very exciting and a bunch of stuff coming behind it. So um, so it should be awesome. it should be. You know, it's like starting over again a little bit. Yeah.
0: Well, it's almost like now you can finally run too. Like, yes. because you have, it was like one step back, but now you can take like two steps forward or more just because you can really, really go at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they're learning too because they haven't done the stuff we're doing before. And so even when we're talking to them today, they're like, yeah, we're learning so much because it's so different our manufacturing process and what we're doing than what they were doing before it's something they wanted to get into. So it's just, it's been a good partnership where it's very, we fold in nicely together complimentary. So um, yeah. So we'll see a lot of work to do, but compare like you said, compared to what we went through the last couple of years, <laughs> yeah. it's like, Hey, I mean, now we can have fun. I mean, again, when you can show up with people and hand them candy, I still service the one store in my hometown. It's actually the first store that bought candy from us. Even the Whole Foods agreed to do it. The moment after I got done with that meeting Whole Foods, I went to our local market in our town. There's this one market in my little town. And I knew the owners. And I said, I have these candy bars. You want to try them? He like took a couple and he goes, oh, these are great. I'll take them. I said, okay, well, when do you want me to bring by the things? He goes, okay, so I just have the ones you're bringing here. I had little sleeves of candy bars. I was like, well, yeah, but you just ate one or two. Yeah, whatever. He goes, how much should I charge? Like, what do you mean? How much did you charge? He goes, well, how much are you going to charge me? And I told him, he's like, well, what's whole foods going to charge? And I said that he goes, okay, we're going to charge this. And he literally got one of those like vegetable things that has little pricing and He yeah. like stickered it all. And you set them right next to the register like three days later, he's like, I need more candy. I was like, what? So I still nice. sell that market because I think it's important just to see some of our, Best businesses in hundreds of small markets around the country. And you got to
0: keep your boots on the ground too. Like just one off comment that you hear could like really change everything. Right.
1: But the interesting thing is I was stalking this last couple of weeks. And one of the little favorite things I like when I'm stalking is when you, and it rarely happens, you run into somebody actually buying your product while you're there. Like someone's grabbing a bar and that happened twice in the last week. Oh, wow. Oh my God. And I was like, Thank you. And I'm wearing like Ocho logo stuff. Like, Oh wait, I said, Oh yeah, I live here. I just stock this stuff. Like, Oh my God, I love your product. Someone else in line is like, this is the best stuff ever. Blah blah. blah. So when you hear that stuff, yeah. I go back and tell my team, I said, guys, look, let's remember we are making the best candy. So it doesn't necessarily mean we'll win because there's a lot of great technologies that were best that died. But I said, at a minimum, we know we're doing that. So it's when you hear those little things, you're like, okay, that's good. Like, you know we're yeah
0: we are and it's mild. like people actually eat it <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah it's it's when like somebody's like oh yeah I love the podcast I'm like great like there's not comments on the the food aisle like under the under the chocolate there's not a comment section where people are like oh I love this like sure there's right, social right. media and like you get emails but usually it's only like the nasty complaints like why are you out of stock I hate you and it's like what you're right. one of our best oh, customers completely <laughs>
1: completely like one of the things that happens just the way that our wrapping is of our minis. Is occasionally a wrapper or a go into the pouch that has no candy in it, right? It's an empty wrap. Oh, yeah. But you still have to have the right number of candy because it's by weight. But the number of complaints, I can't believe it. You ripped me off. Because they're not counting it, as they're eating out of the pouch. Oh, no. so they're, they're doing the right assessment. I somehow got one that was empty. And I'm like, oh, but you really didn't you know yeah that
0: reminds me of a time when i was younger i ate a reese's cup i took the i took the wrapper off and there was still another wrap wraparound and i ate it and i was like oh i had to like fish it out but yeah right,
1: right. so that's all you hear about right occasionally we yeah. get good stories but
0: very rarely like... so
1: yeah so it's been it's been crazy
0: yeah what a ride that's awesome now compare this to the real estate where is this more fun like are do you Would you rather be doing this than still in real estate?
1: It's funny. I get asked this all the time and I still do advise people in real estate. People are like, Oh, were you ever coming back to real estate? I'm like, are you insane? (laughs) And when I show up with candy, people's houses or to events, I'm very popular. There's something also sexy about candy. You know, people just want to be part of it. It's, It's so strange. I would have never known this until getting into it. The reason we got our, we recently leased, subleased our big facility to another manufacturing company and got a smaller place nearby. And there was already a bid on that smaller place, but we got it because the guy thought it would be more fun to have a candy company there. I mean, this is stuff that happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would, I would, I would have the same thought process. Also just thinking like, yeah, maybe I can score a bar here and there just like, yeah, right. And you you do, if you're
1: good friends, (laughs) we'll score bars all the time. So, you know, it's once you have a product, like you have your podcast so you can hear it and listen to it and know people enjoy it. It's just, it's, a, it's different. So yeah, it's, it's fun. The food industry is filled with great people, uh, very creative people and, you know, it's something enjoyable. Residential real estate is also been a hot market the last few years, especially around big metropolitan areas. But when I was showing up in the residential time, it was usually disasters, it's the timing between the close of one house and the sale of another one fell apart. So, people didn't have a home for a week or two. Something was wrong. Like, they bought a house and then, like, a water main broke. And now everyone's pointing fingers about who should pay for it. I mean, it was just, you know, stressful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of money involved. Candy bars, there is stress, but it's on the consumer experience. As long as we continue to do our missions, like the world's greatest tasting candy bars. They just happen to be organic and sustainable, which is important to us and important to the planet. Then we're there. As long as I know the quality is amazing. Everyone on our team, the only reason they're there is because they believe in the quality. If, if I would ever say something about, we're going to change the quality and lower it, I think 90% of my company get out and walk. Just quit. I mean,
0: that's great. I feel like most people listening to this are like, well, that's amazing. Cause most people I work with want to just like find the quickest, easiest, even worst way to do it. As long as it's faster or whatever. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, no. I mean, awesome. I mean, there's been times when our head of R&D was like, I want to add this to the recipe on our caramel. I want to use actual real vanilla beans instead of vanilla extract. And it's going to cost a little extra more per thing. I said, well, does it taste better? Yes. Okay, done. So, you know, it's just, it's not, everyone just has the right to do that. Um, right. When we first switched over to the automatic line, the product we thought would be easiest to make, peanut butter, or peanut butter products, because that was a very common thing made on lines, so turned out to be very challenging. And so we kept 30 people at our old facility, six blocks away, only making peanut butter bars for an extra 30 days until we got the peanut bar recipe right on the new line. I mean, so you come to a point as a company and you either believe in your values or you don't. Because right. we were making peanut butter bars, but they weren't the ones that we knew they are supposed to be. So we said, nope, just keep hand making them because... The people who buy this product will know, and we can't. They have an expectation that it's going to be awesome, and this is not what they're expecting. So you just you just got to be fanatical. And the new products we're coming out with, I can't really talk about it yet, but we're going into an arena where there's been a paucity of good tasting candy for a certain segment of people who have restricted concerns about eating. And when they taste what we're about to bring forth, they're gonna they're gonna be very happy. <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> they're not going to find it. I mean, it's a year I'm working 30 different iterations. We had a very high standard before we even considered bringing this product out. So, um, so it'll be fun to see people already in the small trials. We've had people try it and they just, they're dumbfounded. So we're like, yep, it is possible. So it that's the fun part, you know, just doing what people say you can't do.
0: Yeah, for sure. So as we wrap up here, where can, uh, you know, if people want to, tr- I mean, I'm craving chocolate, a chocolate bar now, but if they want to try Ocho, where can we, where can we try it?
1: Well, first go to OchoCandy.com, right? So essentially support that's direct, where you get the freshest direct. Um, and we're going to be, we're coming up with some more creative pricing. I was just talking to my team about this the other day. Um, so to lower shipping costs or volumes picking up and they, they have some ways to think they can, uh, bundle and lower the shipping costs. And if you order enough, which we encourage people to do, then there's free shipping, of course. Um, but otherwise, um, we are also have an Amazon store. Um, and then nationwide, we're in a lot of targets, a lot of Rite Aids, um, and then hundreds of small independents or regional chains like HEB, Meyer, Fred Meyer up in. Down in Florida, we're not yet in. This is one of our big whales Publix? We're still working it there. Right? Um,
0: Get it? Well, I don't know. They're, they're, those customers are still trying to figure out organic. Um, right. Well, trust me, we know. We've met say, with them
1: for. We're in their Greenwise stores. They have like eight organic stores. Yeah, we'll say
0: like a P- Publix is known for like their chicken tender sub. So not th- that totally.
1: <laughs>
0: you know what I mean?
1: But uh, so, anyways and uh natural grocers i mean a bunch of places we're you know in a bunch of places but to get the flavors you want like any of the flavors right cuz no store actually carries all our stuff we just tell people just go to nutrichcanada.com we ship out it's really quick it's all bundled up and cool. So you get a good product, even in Florida, trust that that's our test base always sending to Florida. Yeah.
0: I was going to say, how do you make sure it doesn't melt, but I know you figured it out.
1: Yeah. So, and sometimes it still does melt and if people complain, we send them fresh product. So, um, and then we remind them, no matter what we do, if it sits on your porch for seven hours in the Florida sun, I don't care if I hand dropped it off that morning. It's not, there's no insulation that's going to work. Like, so let's <laughs> coordinate to make sure you're, Someone gets it inside a house right. and then, you know, a little bit of it
0: arriving. You have to add like signature required yeah. um, for delivery, but then it ends up back at the post office and then it just melts there.
1: Right. And then the people are pissed off. They had to go and do that. Right. Yeah. You never get to your door and you see that little <laughs> sticker from UPS. And you're like, I don't want to
0: call you again. Like, oh, where's yeah. my freaking and it's even so, worse if it says USPS. It's just like, Oh no. Oh yeah. And then you're just like, Oh my God. I got to go to the post office. I know they're <laughs> like, I, I was, I was there a few days ago for like, like almost an hour and they're like, sorry, someone put it on the wrong shelf and wrote it wrong. And I'm just like, what? Anyway. Um,
1: <laughs> exactly. But
0: yeah, OchoCandy.com. Everybody check it out. I mean, I, I'm craving a bar now. Um, really appreciate you taking the time, Scott, to come on the show. Um, any, anything else before we sign off?
1: No, I just tell people out there, if you're thinking about starting a business, an entrepreneur, whatever, just start doing it. You'll never regret it, even though it seems like it might be crazy. I always tell people, look, you don't want to be rolling into seventies or eighties and thinking, "Oh, I wish I would have done this." I rarely know anyone who started something, even if it turned out to be a complete disaster, who didn't <laughs> think like, "I'm glad I did it," you know, later on. Because yeah, it's you'll be surprised what you learn, and sometimes it works out. So um, yeah, but yeah. you gotta live your life. So yeah, do it. and don't quit. Yeah, do the things you want to do. So that's it. And if people ever have questions about entrepreneurship or whatever, they can just reach out to me at scott at archercandy.com. I really spent a lot of time helping new entrepreneurs because I got help so much um, when I was coming up, starting my first company. And I just think you just have to pay it back.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I mean, that story is like super inspiring and entertaining, they're gonna have to. You're gonna have to sell the movie rights at some point. Once, okay, once you, get,
1: yeah. Let's let's get to be a household name. Then someone might actually give a darn. Yeah. <laughs>
0: seriously. No. I mean, I, I think I think that's the I think that's the trajectory. Household brand, and then movies. Uh, the movie like it would be like Fast and Furious. They'll be like Ocho Seven or Ocho Eight will be like the most iconic in the right. in, in the movie. Ocho eight, exactly. That would be the. <laughs> But yeah, it's been, it's been great having you on. It's super inspiring to hear the story and, and how you stuck it out like one time after the next. And uh, yeah, I think a ton of people will be inspired by this and really appreciate you being transparent and coming on the show today. Thanks so much. All right, thanks so much. Appreciate you having me on the show. It's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Waybreak Podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day.